Well, you know, today is a really special day. That's why we sang that song, It's a Wonderful Day. Don't you just think it's a wonderful day? And, and I believe that uh, as we will be uh, concluding this session uh, by giving awards uh, to our young people, uh, you can really realize that, you know, in spite of the difficulties that surround us, we can still shine as stars. Amen. And so I want to dedicate this sermon to all our celebrants today, our learners, uh, your principals, teachers, your parents, and to all of us here, all right? And I've given it the title, Facing Your Giants. And I'm deriving this title from a very popular story that most people know, if not all of us know. Simple story, very familiar, the story of David and Goliath that we find in 1 Samuel chapter 10. So if you can turn there, I won't read all of that because it's got quite more than 50 verses, really. I'm going to try and narrate some of it. I hope you can stay with me on that. <clears throat> However, I don't want to take it for granted that we all know the facts around this story. As I go around preaching in many parts of the world, is the more I become aware that some of the things that we assume concerning people knowing certain things about the Bible, it's not so. So I'm going to sort of try to narrate the story. I won't say everything, but I'll give you the gist of what this story is about. In this story, it's a very interesting story where we learn of the war that was going on at this time between Israel and the Philistines. Both of them, the Bible says, they had camped on opposite hills and they would come to the valley to face one another there, standing on opposite hills with the valley between them. Almost like in a boxing match, when people go to the ring, you have the blue corner and the red corner. So in the blue corner is Israel, and in the red corner is the Philistines. At this time, Saul was the king of Israel. Whilst on the other side, Goliath was the champion of the Philistines. We're told that Goliath was a really huge guy, big fellow, a hunk of a guy. Some of us were hoping to be like him. We are told that this guy used to be three meters tall. This screen over here is actually three meters tall. Can you imagine me facing this guy? <laughs> I, I mean, you really can understand why people were really so scared of this guy. It's a big hunk of a guy. Look, muscles everywhere. Let me see. I couldn't but hey, look at this guy. And this guy on the side of the Philistines would come out every time and taunt the children of Israel. A giant that would really instill fear in the hearts of the people. We are told that this guy's coat, which was made of scale armor of bronze, weighed about 57 kilograms. His spear shaft and its iron point weighed about seven kilograms. Was a bad guy. Not only that, Goliath had been a man of war since his youth. Now at this time, he has reached the peak of his strength. He's an experienced warrior, and now he is facing up 
against Israel. The Bible tells us that on a daily basis, he would shout and taunt the Israelites and insult them. So standing on the other side of the valley, he challenged the Israelites and he said to them, look, you choose a guy among you who will face up to me. We will get into this ring and on the blue corner it will be me and in the red corner it will be that guy. We were going to square up, we're going to fight, we're going to try to kill each other. If he kills me, then the Philistines will become your slave. But if I kill him, then the Israelites will become our slaves. And the Bible tells us in verse 24 that as soon as the Israelites saw him, they began to run away in fright. You see, this giant instilled fear in every one of them. And the Bible tells us this he did every morning and every evening for 40 days. That's in verse 16. So for 40 days, he would stand up every morning, every evening, instill fear in them, taunt them. See, in life, we all face giants. Giants that want to instill fear in us. Giants that want to taunt us. We face giants of lack for our young people. Giants of unemployment. Giants of no skills. Giants of challenges faced by young entrepreneurs. Giants of social coercion. Giants of no skills. All kinds of giants face us. And our giants always stalk us. Goliath the giants vies for the bedside position, hoping to be the first voice that you hear when you wake up. He covets your waking thoughts. He awakes you with the words of worry, stares your thoughts with stress. Many of us, when we wake up in the morning, we really don't look forward to that day because of the problems that are there in the world. And it's true. We cannot hide our heads in the sand and act like there are no problems in the world. But let's think about this with me for a while. Have you realized that this world, as long as it is, has never been short of problems? Have you realized that we've gone through all kinds of difficult times and challenging times? They come in all forms, sometimes more problems, sometimes less problems. Even in times of abundance, and in times of success, there are still problems. Yeah. Isn't it strange that in spite of those problems, you are still here? Yeah. You're still here. You know, as I travel around the world, one of the things that strikes me the most, particularly when you go to countries that are extremely poor, I'm always surprised that in, in, even in those countries, you have rich people. Now, I know, there are some people whose riches came in a wrong way. Okay? They didn't come the right way. But there are some people in those very countries whose riches came the right way. That in spite of the poverty around, they still were above everybody else. I'm hoping today, I'm looking at that man and I'm looking at that woman who has a different spirit about them. Look at your neighbor who didn't say anything is out. Are you afraid of the giants or what?
when things are difficult, there are still those who still prosper. There are still those who still succeed. And the funny thing is, should you ever come among them? Should you ever find yourself among them? And if you were to listen to the way they talk, the way they think, the way they plan, they seem to be different. They are not denying the problems. They are just saying, I'm not going to let Goliath tell me I can never live my life. You see, Goliath, even when you go to bed, he'll never let you have a peaceful night. You'll go to bed worried. Goliath will turn a brand new day, which is filled with the potential of new things, but he will turn it into a valley of despair where you lose the fight even before you fight. As we read on in 1 Samuel 17, though all these men of war were afraid of Goliath, we read about a young man who had a different spirit. He had a different response to this giant. His name was David. Let me tell you about David. David, we are told by Bible historians that at this time, he was a teenager, about 12 or 14 years old. He was a son of Jesse, and there were many brothers in his home, and three of his brothers had been conscripted as soldiers, so they were there at the battlefront. The three brothers were Eliab, Abinadab, and Shemir. So David's dad, Jesse, called David and sent him to take food to his brothers who were in the army. And so David, as a shepherd, this boy, takes this food to his brothers. When he gets to where the battlefront is, he is so shocked to overhear this giant taunting the Israeli army. And what was even worse was when he watched how the other soldiers were running away. And so looking at this without thinking, he, he, he kind of reacts and, and responds because if you have a different kind of spirit, you, you, you can't understand why people allow certain things to happen. And so David looks at the other soldiers who are there and says, you know, and it's so funny the way he asks the question. He asks them, he says, what will happen? What will the king do for the guy who will sort out this giant? And so these soldiers look at this boy who was not even old enough to shave. They look at this boy and they say, why are you asking? He said, no, no, I want to know. What will the king do for anybody who will take this guy on? So they look at him like he's joking. Because you see, there are many people out there who will not believe you when you have a different way of believing, thinking, and operating. Everybody wants to run away from the giant. Everybody wants to say, we're dead even before the giant kills them. And so they said to David, well, the king said, anybody who will take care of this guy, three things he'll do for him. Number one, he'll give you wealth. Number two, he'll give you his daughter in marriage. <laughs> Number three, he will exempt your entire family from paying tax. Lord, may that day come in this country of ours. <laughs> And David said, all right, if that be the case, I'm taking the guy on. And as you read the story, you realize he had to tell these guys almost three 
times they didn't believe him. Finally, they said, all right, now that you're insisting, we will take you through to the king. And so we find David before Saul. And as he stands before Saul, he starts talking to the king. And the king says, so you, can you imagine, I mean, I mean the king, his entire army is running away from the one guy. Eh? Now this boy, who's not even dressed in bright attire, he's dressed like a shepherd, eh? he, he doesn't even shave, comes to the king and says, I'll take that guy on. Hey, did you see that guy? Let's have that Goliath again. Did you see how bad that guy is? Gee, hey, forgive Hey. And David says, no, I'm, I'll, I'll take him on. Now watch, I want you to read with me. This is interesting. Saul is not convinced. In verse 37, Saul, the Bible tells us, finally consented to David. And he said, all right, go ahead. And he said, may the Lord be with you. I don't think Saul meant that. I don't think Saul believed what he said. I think, in essence, he was saying, Tabaya just go and die, you know. But, 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 but there's something about a man and a woman who will not allow the giant to intimidate them, that even if people don't believe your story, you believe your story because you know the God in whom you trust. Can I hear an amen? amen. And David said, I, I'll take the guy on. And so note how Saul changes in verse 38. Then Saul gave David his own armor, <laughs> a bronze helmet, a coat of mail. David put it on, strapped the sword over it, took a step or two to see what it was like, for he had never worn such things. Of course, yes. And then David said, I can't go in these things. I'm not used to them. Never, never try to use what you're not used to when time of crisis comes. If you are used to praying when crisis come, continue praying. If you are used to calling on God when crisis come, continue to call on God. Can I hear an amen in this house? Don't use what you're not used to. I'm not used to this. And so he said, I'm used to doing it in a different way. And so finally, Saul says, all right, forward to, you can go along. So David goes over. I can almost... Imagine what was going on. All these soldiers looking, you know, thinking, hey, and I'm sure Goliath is, is so, feeling so insulted. You know, I mean, I mean, of all things, they're sending me this boy. In fact, let's read the story. Let's read the story. Verse 4, Goliath walked out towards David with his shield, with his shield bearer ahead of him sneering in contempt at this ruddy-faced boy. Verse 43, said to him, am I a dog that you come to me with a stick? And he cursed David by the name of his gods. He said, come over here. I'll give your flesh to the birds and wild animals. Goliath yelled. And so David, instead of being afraid, the Bible says he replied to the Philistine, you come to me, with sword, spear, and javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of heavens, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. He says, today, somebody say today. today. Say today. today. David doesn't say tomorrow. He doesn't say some other time. He says today, 
today he says today the Lord today 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 somebody say today today the Lord will conquer you and I will kill you and I'll cut off your head then I will give your dead body of your men to the birds and wild animals and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel and everyone assembled here will know that the Lord rescues his people but not with a sword and spear this is the Lord's battle and he will give it to you can I hear an amen in the house yeah this boy is a giant killer and he's not afraid of the giant the Bible tells us he squares up with this giant and he takes and picks up five stones the Bible tells us watch this I believe these five stones speak to us of five strategies that you and I can use to be giant killers or five decisions we can make to face up to our Goliath and defeat our Goliaths the first thing David does is he remembered his journey with God so the first stone you must pick up or use when you face your Goliath is the stone of past remembrance. Note verse 32. David says, don't worry about this Philistine. Saul says, don't be ridiculous. No way you can fight this man. Verse 34. David persisted. He said, I've been taking care of my father's sheep and goats. When a lion or a bear came to steal a lamb from the flock, I go after it with a club. I rescue the lamb from his mouth. If the animal turns on me, I catch it by the jaw and I club it to death. Viva David. <laughs> I have done this to both the lion and the bears. He says, I will do it to this pagan Philistine too. For he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescues me from the claws of the lion and the bear will rescue me from this Philistine. Can I hear an amen in the house? What is David doing? It's very important for you to always put your giant and your problem into perspective. Remember, there are past victories that God gave you. Remember, there were times when you thought you are not going to last. But look at you. You are here today. There's a time when the doctor told you, you only have two months to live. You only have three months to live. But look at you, three years later, here you are sitting well. There's a time when you lost your job and you thought it's all over. There's a time when they stole your things and you thought it's all over. There's a time when your relationship broke and you thought it's all over. There's a time when people walked away from you and you thought it's all over. But look at you. You are still here today. I said you are still here today. In spite of all that, you are still here today. And I want to ask you, when a new giant comes, don't forget where God found you. See, remembering is one of the most powerful things you can ever do. Because if you can reflect where God found you, if you can look back at the home you were raised in, no father, just raised by a single mother. Look at you today. Look at how far you have come. Now when you meet a giant called unemployment, you want to shake like you don't know your God. And God sustained you even in times when you had no hope. you got to always look back and say, I remember how far the Lord has brought me.
When you read the book of Deuteronomy, the book of Leviticus, the book of Numbers, there's a phrase there that appears so many times repeatedly and the phrase is remember. The word is remember. Remember. So many of us, we forget too quickly how far God brought us. Our Grace Bible Church man, Retoko Skolong, Sebitwang, Isaacson High Primary School. And then we moved to a bent out building called Tlengiwe. And then we moved over in a bent out building, terrible building called Homemakers Festival Grounds. Now, what is it that can defeat us to buy new property and new grounds in some other places when God has brought us so far? You got to remember, you got a story to tell. See, your story is powerful. Your testimony is powerful. Make sure that you don't forget. Even though according to your background and your circumstances, you shouldn't have made it. But God. These are our learners, our young people. I wish some of you can know their story. Some of them. They are not supposed to be sitting here. They are not supposed to have eight distinctions, four distinctions, five distinctions. But I'm here to tell you, but God. Never erase from your memory what God has done. Because a memory makes, a bad memory makes losers. But a good memory makes heroes. Catalog God's successes in your life. Keep a list of God's world records in your life. In 1 Chronicles chapter 16, verse 12, this is what David says. Remember his marvelous works that he has done, his wonders and the judgments of his mouth. Learn to keep a list of the things that God has done. And if you remember what God has done, it puts the battle into perspective. Let's, let's continue. Number two, the second stone. The second stone was the stone of declaration. I'll explain what I mean. Or the stone of confession. In verse 36, David says, I have done this both to the lion and the bear, and I will do it to this pagan Philistine. David declares his destiny even before he takes the first step you see fear will get you to say negative things about you to speak negative things about your life but when you are a man and a woman who is a giant killer in the face of the giant in the face of goliath you will say what god will do for your life david said it with his mouth Look at verse 45. I love this one. This young man, he says to the Philistine, you come to me with the sword and the spear, I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts. Verse 46, he says, today, today, today. I love what he says. He says, today, the Lord will conquer you and I will kill you. In other words, today, the Lord will conquer you. Nah, I will just finish you off. He's already declaring with his mouth what he believes in his heart. Make a declaration of what God is going to do. He says, today the Lord will conquer you and I will cut your head off and then I will give it your dead bodies and that of your men to the birds and the wild animals 
And everyone assembled here will know that the Lord doesn't rescue with sword and spear. The battle is the Lord and he will give it to you. Learn to let your mouth only verbalize that which is a good destiny. Very often when we see giants, we start saying things about our lives that we shouldn't say. You get a job, you go for an interview, you tell all your friends, well, I'm just going for the interview. I know they will not shortlist me, or even if they shortlist me, they will not call me. If they call me, they will tell me I didn't get the job. Look at somebody and say, the bishop heard you when you were telling your friend yesterday. <laughs> or you get a job, you tell all your friends, because it always happens to me. What you're not realizing is you are making a declaration with your mouth of negativity and when that negativity happens, you are so happy that you're a prophet. How many of you are sitting next to a prophet of negativity there? You know something amazed me when I was studying, I think year before last, and I was very interested to study the healings of Jesus, you know, and I've said it in the past, you know, that Almost 99% of people who got healed under the ministry of Christ. It was not him who went to them to go and heal them. No. They are the ones who took the initiative to come to him. But then the second thing I noted, which I want to raise this morning, is that even when Jesus was aware the kind of disease they had, he never just prayed for them. He would either ask them a question or give them a command to do something. And I thought, I never understood this. Here's a man who's blind. Jesus can see the man is blind. You know, like we know today when somebody's blind, they, they will wear the glasses and with a stick, you know, you know, you can see the person is blind. It was the same in the days of Jesus. Blind person comes to Jesus and says, Lord, have mercy on me. And Jesus says, what do you want me to do for you? How, Jesus? I mean, you can see the guy is... But you know, the more I read that, then it dawned on me. Jesus was trying to get a declaration out of them. Read the Bible, Basalan. Read the Bible. I was telling them on Wednesday in the service, at our Be the Made Whole service, I was telling them, it's, it's, uh, the more I read the Bible, is the more I'm getting convinced. God always waits either for a step from you offer a declaration from you. Jesus meets the guy at the pool of Bethesda. Huh? The guy's been there 38 years. And the Bible says Jesus knew how long he had been there. He can see his condition, but when he gets to the guy, he says, what do you want me to do for you? How just? Serious. I mean, you can see the man. And he says, what do you want me to do for you? See, our problem is many of us, we assume that because God knows, he'll just do it. But what God wants is to hear a declaration from him. We read on Wednesday the story of the Roman soldier, the centurion, who came to Jesus and said, Lord, my daughter lies at the point of death, go high. That's all he said. And Jesus said, I will come and heal her. And he said, hi. 
You, 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 you don't even need to come to my home. He, he said, oh, you know what, Jesus? Oh, Mina, I have studied you. I have, I have watched you. I've checked you. I've re- I realized there's something about your worth. There's something about when you say something, it happens. He says, you see, I'm a man under authority. And I've got soldiers under me. I say to one man, go, and he goes. I say to the one, come, and he comes. All I'm asking you is, when just speak the word only. Just speak the word only. And my servant, it doesn't matter how far they are, how long they've been sick, how old they are, my servant will get healed just where they are. Oh, the centurion understood what many of us don't understand. The things that we say affect our future. And David, even before he could kill the guy, he told the guy what he's going to do. He says, I'm going to beat you down. I'm going to kill you. I'm going to feed your flesh to the, to the birds of the air. Your carcass and the, your, the carcasses of your soldiers will be eaten up by the birds. Make a declaration. <laughs> Can I hear an amen, Basara? Matthew 12, 34 says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. You see, it is confession that brings possession. You need to learn to speak to your situation, not about your situation. David spoke to the giant, not about the giant. Many of us, we go around talking about the problems. We're talking about the difficulty. We're not talking to the difficulty and say, from today, I'm not going to be unemployed again in the name of the Lord Jesus. You see now, you don't even believe it, some of you. You see now, some of you don't believe it at all. I said today, I'm not going to allow myself to go to bed hungry from today. God's going to make a way for me. Can I hear an amen in this house? Third stone David used. The Bible tells us, he bent down to pick up five stones. That's in verse 40. In other words, before going high, David went low. Before confronting the big guy, David bowed down. This is the stone of prayer. Never try to face your giants without first going on your knees to pray. Tell you. you know, prayer for me is a huge mystery. It's, it's, sometimes it's difficult to understand how God works things out. In my little corner, I am talking to God about a situation that cannot be solved. Mara, somehow God knows how to work things out. And, and you learn over time that when giants come your way, instead of me talking about the giants, I'm going to go on my knees and I'm going to talk to God. I'm going to talk to God about my life. Some of you, that's what you need to do. Your giants are so many. Your challenges are so many. If you can just bring it to God by way of prayer. If you can just come to God, you are looking at your life. Some of you are here or in the other branches and your life is so complex. Things are falling apart. You don't know what to do. Your life is just out of control. You've tried in your own strength to get your life under control, to live as you should, but everything is falling apart. Instead of trying to do that, why don't you go on your knees and ask God to help you today? Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18, says, praying always. 
with all prayer and supplication in the spirit and watching there unto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. David is aware how turning to God always saved his life. When he had a confrontation with Saul in Psalms chapter 59 verse 16 when Saul tried to kill him when David had a confrontation with Saul David says I will sing a song of thy power yeah I will sing aloud of thy mercy in the morning for thou hast been my defense thou hast been my refuge in the day of my trouble I'm here to tell you God is your defense God is your refuge God is your armor God is your strength even in your days of trouble when you don't know where help is going to come from David says I will lift up my eyes to the hills from whence cometh my help my help comes from the Lord your help comes from the Lord yeah, people may laugh up to you about you. They may mock you and scoff you when you pray. But they will not laugh forever. Because God knows how to turn things around when you go down on your knees and pray. Can I hear an amen in this house? Pick up the stone of prayer. Be a man and a woman who learns how to pray. You don't need to make prayer complex. Prayer is simply talking to God about your issues. You don't have to have a special kind of voice. You don't have to have a special kind of narration. All you have to do is to talk to God from the depth of your heart. Whatever language we want, you can talk to God about that. Can I hear an amen in the house? The fourth stone that David picked up. The Bible tells us that after David had spoken to the giants and had picked up the stone, he ran towards the giant. Look at verse 48. Goliath moved closer to attack David and David quickly ran to meet him. He didn't walk. He didn't scroll, stroll rather. He ran. You know what that is? Passion. Luna young people passion. Passion. You know what I love about David? He so believed in what God is saying and was so convinced about victory that he didn't just no he ran towards the guy everybody is running away everybody is running away from the giant he is running to the giant because he's a man of passion listen to this if you're not passionate about your vision if you're not passionate about your goal if you're not passionate about your purpose you'll never ever see results in your life there comes a day when everybody runs away you have to move forward there comes a day when everybody walks away from your company you become the only one who goes to work on that day there comes a day when they withdraw the money and they withdraw the support you are the last man standing and you are the last woman standing because you've got passion in your heart Many people are half-hearted in their efforts. They don't put passion in it. They do it to try. They do it with armor. They are very half-hearted. They are too nice. They are too modest. And I think we in the church have portrayed that picture of the Bible and everybody in the Bible as being nice people. Very calm. Very mild. Almost like they are sedated. Speaking in monotone voices. Never angry. Never laughs. No emotion. 
always nice. You know, even all the pictures that we watch about Jesus, the movies, it's always nice. But my, when you read about Jesus, hey, Jesus, hey, one day he found people selling in the temple. Hey, Jesus, Magangena, kick the tables over. Read it. Nice Jesus. No, kick the tables over, made a whip, hit them. And the Bible says nobody wanted to have anything to do with it. Guys, I knock it again. Why? Because, you know, I don't know how many of you realize, Jesus was a carpenter. You know, and, and if you were a carpenter those days, you didn't have power tools. So if you had to do anything, a table or anything, you had to go out into the forest, chop the wood, huh? manually, chop the wood, and then come and sacha the wood. I don't know what sacha in English is. <laughs> whatever. And do whatever, and then work better. It was a very physically demanding task and we are told historically that carpenters those days were strong people very strong it's like it's like people who work in the building industry i don't know if you've seen these guys who are that strong yeah it's not like going to virgin active that's that's nothing man that's what i talk about so jesus i i kind of imagine it's a jesus again and the bible says nobody wanted to have anything to do with him did you listen to his sermons calling people snakes and children of the devil hey what about john the baptist john the baptist the guy was bad john the baptist ate wild locusts and wild honey was always in the desert wore skins his message was hot what about paul 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 killed christians i'm telling you one day john mark when he said, let's go to a crusade, John McCarthy always when cool. He just took somebody else and said, What about Peter? Peter? Nice guy? Never. Bad guy. It's never. 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 <laughs> you know we've portrayed bible characters as these nice sweet people and that's why when people become christians they become so sedated lose all your passion you know you have this attitude whatever will be will be hey Put up a fight for your destiny in the name of Jesus and get up and do something in Jesus' name. Have some passion going on on the inside of you. You've got to pick up the stone of passion in your life and believe in God's purpose for your life. And finally, the fifth stone. The Bible tells us he picked up five stones. Not one, but five. He picked up five stones, but only used one. Yet he picked up five. Why David? It's the stone of persistence. David said, this guy is going to die. 
If the first one doesn't get him, I'll hit him with the second one. And the third one, and the fourth, and the fifth, and he's going to die. Some of you, you try things once. You don't have persistence. When it doesn't work, you close shop and give up on it. But not so with David. And if you want to be a giant killer, you have to make up your mind you are going to persist. Many people turn back just before the manifestation of the answer to what they are looking for. But if you're a man and woman who's like David, you will persist. And when we persist, Pazalan, even if they say the economy is not good, even if they say jobs are not there, even though if they say the skills shortage, no employment, we will say, I'm not afraid of this giant. Yeah. Now I know why some of you are not saying amen, because you're trying to imagine in your mind how God's going to sort it out. But let me tell you, I have stopped trying to imagine how God sorts it out. All I want to do is to believe that God's going to sort it out. Yeah, yeah. We've been there many times. I've told you the story. When we said we were building the church, people didn't believe it. I wish I'd you, I told you the stories that were flying around. Church, so what? 23 million? Never. It's true, 10 holy, never. But you see, Mazalan, it's not what other people say. It's what David says. And I don't know about you, but I'm looking at David here today. It's not what they say. It's about your five stones. I said, well, we don't know how. We don't know when. That's not for us to work out. That's God's sight. All God told me is to believe and pray, have a vision, and put some steps to it. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. Lauka buys, although he falls, the Lord will raise you up and he will continue walking again. I see you walking again in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I said, I see you walking again in the name of Jesus. In fact, I see you running towards your giants with the five stones in your hands. I see the Goliath being slain down by you. I see you being a different person in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. In spite of failure all around, you say, my God is able and I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And God is looking for people like that. People who will not buy into. If these days such and such is not possible, I say, no, I know these days. But I know a God who knows how to change these days. Even when they say time is up, be like a Joshua when he went to war and the sun was setting and he had not finished his task he prayed to God and said God stop the sun because I want to finish what I do stop the sun God will change history for you God will transform things for you God will stop the sun for you but he's looking for somebody who's willing to have that kind of belief and that kind of faith. But as long as you run from the giants, you will be defeated every time. Tell your neighbor, I'm not running again.
Tell four people, I'm not running again. I'm not. In fact, tell five people because it's five stones. Tell them, I'm not running again. Jesus. Your destiny is in your hands. God has already told you what he is able to do. The question is, will you believe him for it? Bow your heads with me, please, everybody. Some of you, your stone today is to bend down like David. Get on your knees and say, God, I need your help. You've come here today, even though you may go to church regularly, or you may be religious, maybe not religious. You love God and your heart is warm towards the things of God, but somehow you know in your heart of hearts you have not been transformed by the power of God. You really don't have a personal, meaningful relationship with Jesus Christ. You could be here, you could be in our branches, you could be in, at UJ. As you look at your life, you realize that, you know, even though I live my life, I seem to be far from God. You may be a very good moral person in the way you live, but in your heart of hearts, you have no connection to God. And today, as you've been listening to God's word, and as you've been worshiping, you realize, you know what? I want to get closer to God. I want to invite Jesus into my life, into my heart to change me and transform me. I'm going to pick up my stone. I'm going to go on my knees and show God how much I need him. And right now, you want us to pray with you. Right where you are. You want to say, please pray with me. I want to invite Christ into my life. I want God to help me. Please pray for me. Would you raise your hand, please, right where you are, just where you are sitting, just raise your hand. Whether you are here in this building, in other branches, at UJ, raise your hand, right where you sit, just raise your hand, raise your hand. That's right, thank you for those hands. That's right. Very often people go to church and we're all here, good preaching, music, everything, and we go away, we say, oh, that was a nice service. And nothing about our lives changes. Nothing. And sometimes we as ministers are to blame. We never give people that opportunity to respond. God is in the business of changing people's lives. I tell you. God knows how to change people's lives. Like he has changed our lives. He'll change your life as well. I want to congratulate you for the boldness you have. To have responded. Well done. Well done. Thank you. Thank you. But I want to say to every one of you, doesn't matter what has gone wrong in your life. Doesn't matter what people say about you. There's a God in heaven who knows you, who understands you, who loves you. And a God in heaven who is willing to give you a new and a fresh start. Even when everybody says, when I, there's no hope for you. It's not so with God. God never gives up on any of us. And today you've made the right decision. So I want to ask you to follow me in the prayer as I pray. 
and then we're going to take you out to the counseling room quickly and then you can come back into the service this prayer is a prayer to receive christ into your life i ask the congregation to stand we're going to pray the congregation will join us just raise your hands to god you in the front congregation you will stretch your hands towards these precious people follow me in this prayer heavenly father I come to you just as I am. I invite Jesus Christ to come into my heart to be the Savior and the Lord of my life. Thank you for hearing my prayer and for coming into my heart. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 All right.